Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaron. And today, we are going to be getting into our NBA trade deadline primer. It was obviously not rudely, but it was disrupted by Kyrie Irving's joining of the Dallas Mavericks. A insane blockbuster move that obviously not came out of left field, but I think definitely, you know, it's understandable that our, our plans were sort of led astray in that in that scenario. But today we're going to be getting into a lot of different trades that the Mavericks could do to shore up the rest of this roster. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of the different dynamics at play in terms of how they could maybe add some front court depth on the wing and uh, maybe another rim protector. Uh, specifically, we're going to look a lot at defense because that is one of the Mavericks more pressing needs after the departure of Dorian Finney-Smith um, in this Kyrie Irving trade. Mavericks do have some holes to be able to fill, even if they could have an all-time offense. Um, there, there still are a lot of stop gaps that are preventing this team from definitely reaching a contender status right now. But, you know, Jaron and I are both of the opinion that this team needs to go all in to an extent and empty the tank amidst everything happening just because, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie in the offseason. We just talked about that in our podcast where we dived even deeper into the intricacies of Kyrie's fit, uh, dived into his relationship with Luca, dived into Kyrie's off the court stuff. If you guys are coming over from that podcast, we appreciate you guys because this is kind of a continuum of that. We decided to split up these two podcasts. Um, if you didn't catch the end of the other one, just because the Kyrie one was going a little longer than we thought. And we got, we wanted to give you guys the optionality to kind of toggle through these, especially since the, you know, one, pertaining to this trade podcast and what the Mavericks might do on uh, these next 48 hours is, you know, definitely a lot different than us talking about the on and off court fit with Kyrie Irving on the Mavericks. So, you know, with that being said, we're going to be getting into a lot of different fake trades, um, a lot of, you know, theorizing some different teams that we could see the Mavericks dealing with. It's going to be a fun time. Um, and we're really intrigued to see what the Mavericks do over the 48 hours, the next 48 hours, if they do anything, we presume they will. But, I mean, who knows at the end of the day. But before we do all of this, of course, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor, for you guys before we go ahead and get into this trade podcast. All right, Jaron, so getting into it here, we've identified a plethora of teams that we could see as potential trade partners for the Mavericks here. Not all these teams we have necessarily made fake trades for because there may be – we won't – we only made fake trades for the teams that there's kind of been like validity to the rumors, or there's been like, at least like just a little bit of smoke there. A lot of these are maybe kind of just packages that we've not packages, but guys that we've theorized the Mavericks could trade for, but there's no actual credence to the, or in the media or anything that's been reported that anything could be actually happened there. So uh, we operated kind of gingerly with that. Um, but nonetheless, I'm going to go ahead and hash out all the teams for everybody that we theorized the Mavericks could trade for and then the ones that we're going to be doing fake trades for. So in the East, first off, we have the 76ers and the guys there that I think the Mavericks 
could potentially swing a trade for, uh, especially both of these guys are kind of under fire. Um, well, Cork Moss specifically, who just requested a trade from Philly. Mavericks want to add a little more shooting depth. They could all obviously go the uh, the Furk on Corks Moss route. Um, they also got Matisse Thybul, who the Mavericks were kind of linked to in the summer, um, but there really hasn't been any validity to any of or or smoke to any Matisse or Dallas connections as of recently. So, you know, he's obviously there, but we did not make a fake trade for either of those guys just because it isn't really the reporting to to back it up. With the Cleveland Cavaliers next up, um, we did make a fake trade for um, in this instance, and it, it's pretty uh, self-explanatory. We'll be getting into it later once we actually get to the fake trades. Um, but the guy we identified there was Karis Levert. There's obviously been some smoke that the Mavericks have been linked to him. With the Miami Heat, we went with uh, – we're going to be doing a fake trade for that one as well. The Mavericks have been linked to Duncan Robinson for a few people. With the New York Knicks, the Mavericks have been linked to Cam Reddish and Emmanuel Quickly, so we will be doing those as well. With the Atlanta Hawks, um, the Mavericks have – there's been a little bit of smoke, but not necessarily enough to maybe constitute a whole, um, you know, a, a whole fake trade that we kind of would – wanted to uh, craft here. But we did identify a couple guys that we think the Mavericks – may consider um, as they approach this trade deadline uh, or maybe on the horizon that we could maybe see them going for. These guys are kind of on the, the trade market, quote unquote. And one guy has been on the trade market for um, perpetually for like the last three years. And uh, these guys are of course, Bogdan Bogdanovich and John Collins for the bulls. A couple of these guys Mavericks were linked to in the summer, of course, uh, I, I'm sure, you know, but there really hasn't been any sort of, um, credence to the fact that the Mavericks could get them in the near future or any rumors backing up that they're, they've been linked to them for these, this ensuing trade deadline. But if the Mavericks are looking to add maybe a little um, depth to that backcourt, furbish it up a little bit, uh, get that third ball handler, um, not really ready for Jaden Hardy to take that step. You could always go the Goran Dragic or Kobe White direction. Uh, same with the Wizards with Monte Morris. And they also have um, – the rim runner and, you know, weak side rim protector that is Daniel Gafford that, that I think would be interesting. Um, you know, with, with all these guys, of course, a lot of these guys don't warrant us making a whole fake trade just because there hasn't been enough smoke there. But we wanted to just mention them as guys that we have distinguished as potential fits for the Mavericks. Um, next up with the Raptors, there technically hasn't really been any smoke in terms of the Mavericks potentially swinging a trade for OG and Anobi, but he's the hot name on the block right now. And we wanted to at least craft a way to see if the Mavericks could add him to Kyrie and Luca. So we, we did make a fake trade for him um, as well as Gary Trent Jr. Um, just because we kind of grouped him in together, but there, there really hasn't been any credence to both of those rumors. We've identified four guys on the Orlando magic that we could see the Mavericks making a trade for, but, they are all kind of long shots and they sort of the perfect scenario would have to arise. Uh, all of those guys are going to be Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, Terrence Ross, and Mo Bamba, you know, Isaac for that defensive versatility Fultz, you know, would be the third ball handler. Terrence Ross kind of is the THJ supplement. If something ends up, if he ends up going somewhere and then Mo Bamba, you know, obviously 
that rim protecting big that can stretch the floor, you know, would work well with Christian Wood idealistically if they were ever paired together. So who knows if that has ever come to fruition, but you know, we got those guys. Do have a conglomerate of guys as well on the Hornets. We have Gordon Hayward, um, Terry Rozier, PJ Washington. Um, you know, Hayward, you know, he's he's definitely on the decline to an extent, especially um with some of his play this season, you know, and just how, how the Hornets affair, but I still think he can be a contributory role player on a lot of teams and provide a little bit of uh, creation at the Mavericks still feel like they need to pop off the bench. Uh, Terry Rozier would obviously be like your distinguished six man uh, ball hand or off the bench. I don't necessarily know if the Mavericks have that pressing of a need, but I mean, I think he would be a really good fit. And I mean, obviously PJ Washington versatile defender can kind of defend like uh, three through five, you know, can act as a small ball, five good rebounder, um, you know, his offensive game, the work in progress, but it still has some, some good aspects to it. He's a good cutter. He's, he's improving an improving shooter. He's a really intriguing young guy. Um, I'd love him on this team. I just don't know exactly what the pathway to getting him would be. Um, and then lastly, with the Pistons, we do have some fake trades for them because there has been some smoke on this front in terms of the Mavericks interest in Bojan Bogdanovich. Um, and then we, we created some for no, Maryland's Noel and Alec Burks, just due to the expendability of those guys. And the fact uh, that, the fact that they could be, um, you know, basically traded in the a- in aggregate with Bojan. And even though there technically hasn't really been a lot of smoke on the New Orleans or Alec Burks fronts in, ter- in terms of their um, potential, um, in New Orleans case, return to Dallas and Alec Burks case of coming to Dallas. So that is what we surmise for the East. We obviously, there's a lot more teams in the East that we thought, or sought as potential trade partners for the Mavericks. Um, but nonetheless, um, we obviously didn't just, you know, go pinpoint every team blindly. You know, there were some teams that we kind of identified ballpark the roster and didn't really think that they had guys that the Mavericks could trade for, or for that matter, even if they did just not guys that they'd be willing to give up or just wouldn't maybe necessarily be the best fit with the Mavericks. So those were the teams that we identified. Jaren, if you want to go ahead and uh, tell everybody who we have in the West, it's a much shorter list, but if you yeah. want to go ahead and hash out uh, all those teams and the, the mock trades that we do for them before we get into the ensuing mock, mock trades that we did. Yeah, I, I think in the West, I mean, as you alluded to, it's a much shorter list than it, than it was in the East. Uh, but to start out, we will start up north with Minnesota, of course. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's really any connections being made, but Nas Reed, a good young potential piece. Uh, I mean, that you can stick, I think, in an order. He's one of the more coveted guys that, yeah. you know, we, we are looking to in this this postpartum Kyrie um, epidemic. So that that's why we we sought his inclusion here. Yeah, no, exactly. Well said. Uh, and then I went ahead and plugged Oklahoma City here. Uh, not for any connection reasons. I just, you know, I feel like if someone's going to make a playoff push, uh, that's the team to sort of trade for the Christian Woods of the world. Uh, to get that playoff push. And that's why I plugged them in here. Don't have any, you know, trades cooked up for them. I just see that being a potential suitor. Uh, if anything were to change up and if they decided to go full force into the playoffs, I think that's a team that could possibly be in talks with the Mavericks. Uh, and then next, of course, we have Utah. Um, you know, we recently just played them last night, of course. And, you know, we had Vanderbilt sitting out, what was it called, due to, uh, like, trade enclosures or something? I forget. No, what. no, no. That, I think that was a, that was just a, a joke. But no, okay, but it, 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 it was. Oh, really? 
Oh well, no, I, uh, I don't think it was real. But oh it, yeah, but uh, some guy on Twitter said trade deadline itis. Yeah, deadline itis. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was like, of course not real, but that that was the real case. Yeah. Uh, and so we got Vanderbilt, of course, Malik Beasley, um, Conley, Kelly, or uh, Ol- Kelly Olynyk, and then uh, Jordan Clarkson. And just I think to preface, those- we only did make trades for Jared Vanderbilt and Kelly Olynyk because the other guys are just hasn't been like enough. Mavericks connected smoke for us to make fake trades, but we did yeah, want to we did want to make their inclusion here because well, I guess with Beasley there was that rumor about the DFS package, but now DFS is gone. I don't know. Yeah, he's gone. But yeah, so you guys will see the trades as we as we turn them out. What uh, continue, Jaron? Yeah, and then uh next we got the Clippers of Los Angeles. Uh we got I think two trades cooked up for those. Um next we will go out to our best friends in Phoenix. And there's one little trade, you know, I think it's Jay Crowder uh, is like, of course, the hot name on the block. And that's sort of, you know, what the Mavericks need uh, is wing depth and especially defensive wings that 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 fits it. And so that's why we included that. Uh, We included Sacramento, not for, you know, any big reason or anything, but there's just sort of small marginal guys on that roster that we feel as though they could be looking to ship for a bigger guy. And I think that's something that um, would shape this Mavericks roster if need be. And then, of course, we've got San Antonio. I feel like we got a couple good cooked up um, cooked up packages for that uh, that include Pirtle and Josh Richardson. And then I went ahead and just threw this in here. Don't have any trades cooked up or any connection towards this, but I just know his name is swirling around the block, and that's Bones Highland of Denver, of course. Yes, we, uh, we, don't, we didn't make any trades for him, but I, I did post a fake trade for him on Twitter about a week ago if you guys want to go look at it I, I did I was under fire for it though so um, <laughs> I, I definitely think the, the Bones Highland uh you know the, the need for him is is definitely not as high as it once was but um after the Kyrie situation as it is for any third ball in or I think the Mavericks have some opportunities to look to the buyout market for that department um but they also have the opportunity if they could get one of these guys in a trade and and still get that defensive wing depth I mean you know that's an option I would definitely hope that they could look at um, nonetheless, before we actually dive into the specific mock trades, Jaron, um, just kind of, I guess some people may be kind of bewildered as to why we're still doing a trade deadline primer after Kyrie was recently shipped. We talked about this at nauseum and, you know, both of our last podcasts pertaining to Kyrie, uh, but, but just kind of me- mentioned to those who, you know, may not uh, necessarily understand why that the the map we're still doing a trade deadline primer and why why moves are probably on the horizon for the Mavericks as you know a lot of reports are insinuating. Yeah, I think the Mavericks, I mean of course at a surface level, I think they have another move, possibly even two to make. Um if all goes well, possibly even three. Um yeah but I mean, I, there's a world in which the Mavericks make two yeah, moves at the trade deadline. Yeah they could um yeah there is a world that it that does exist. Um, but yeah, I think that there's definitely some moves to be made, uh, whether it's regarding Tim Hardaway, Christian Wood, um, even, you know, Dwight Powell, Davis Bertans, guys like that. Um, these are sort of guys that you have to look to trade now. Uh, we mentioned this, of course, in the Kyrie, uh, pod a minute ago, um, that the Mavericks pretty much have to push all their chips in. They have to go on for a championship because you don't know what's going to happen next year. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I love Christian Wood and all, but unfortunately, it might have to not include the names of Christian Wood and Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and that's whenever you look to deal with those guys. 
And that's sort of, I guess, the packages at which we centered around regarding the Mavericks and who they're sending it to uh, was really centered around those three names and Bertans, Christian Wood, and Tim Hardaway. Uh, of course, I mean, those are the hot names in the block regarding the Mavericks. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there, there's still moves to be made. If you want a championship rounded roster, we have a huge hole at the wing position. And of course, in defense, just in overall and the rim protector um, position. And yeah. I was about to say, yeah, I was about to get into rim protecting. Um, and yeah, that's, that's sort of where this whole lies. I think as you said, and I mean, as you look more into it, the third ball handler position is more of a treat rather than a need now. And um, I think you can look elsewhere or you, you can keep it in your peripheral vision, but you can definitely look elsewhere to target guys. And uh, I think that's sort of what we had our eyes on when cooking up most of these packages. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that if things definitely don't go well as the season ends up, you know, continues and ensues and Mavericks don't get to where they want and they roll out back around with Kyrie and Luca next year, then, I think over the off season and maybe at the draft is like when you try to address that third ball in our situation, but if they can do something to do it now, by all means, am I, I'm not posting any rebuttals to that go, you know, they can go for it, but the positions of need right now to elevate this team to championship contention most prominently right now are going to be, uh, you know, obviously depth at the wing um, in terms of defense, you know, whether it's a three and D wing or a slashing wing, and obviously a rim protector. So those, yeah. those are a lot of the trades that we're kind of pining for. There's a few third ball and or creation type guys in here, but um, in most instances that comes with the prerequisite that they're, you know, the Mavericks are getting a defense elsewhere, even, you know, in that same trade with those guys or you know, they've already like made a trade. So, you know, we, we made a lot of trades that kind of you that aren't just, uh, you know, kind of, one-off applicable at all times trades a lot of these trades do have like we're like based off a a previous fake trade which is kind of funny um to you know because technically nothing has happened yet but the mavericks are a team like jaron had mentioned that could make two maybe even three moves if things really come into full effect here as the trade deadline ensues over the next couple days because i mean they have to push all their chips in and all the draft picks are at play. You know, Jaron had mentioned all those salary filler guys and Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, Dwight Powell, um, Davis Bertans. I mean, you know, the list goes on, of course, but a lot of those guys by themselves, we know, aren't the most highly coveted. So the remaining Mavericks 2027 first round pick, potentially their 2025 first round pick that I'll say this just right now at any trade that we list the 2025 first round pick in, it is with the prerequisite that the Mavericks were able to successfully renounce the rights on their 2023 first round pick that is owed to the New York Knicks. I do not know exactly how the process works there. I, I have to look up the details. I did reach out to CBA Mavs, but he had yet, he has yet to get back to me regarding that. Um, but I know that it is not just a instance where the Mavericks can decide that they would like to renounce the protections there. They do have to, there has to be some sort of, agreement with the Knicks there. I don't know if that involves the Mavericks having to trade with the Knicks for that happening to occur. Uh, but I, I do know there has to be some sort of formal agreement there. So just understand that if there's any picks where we're including the 2025 first round pick for the Mavericks, um, 
it, it we we are fully aware that the Stepien rule prevents the Mavericks of trading that pick as of right now. Um, but we're doing it with the prerequisite that they have already traded or they have already tended to the fact that they're they're no longer protecting that 2023 first round pick that they owe to the Knicks this year. Um, but barring that, I mean, I, I don't really think I have much more else to say before we go ahead and dive into this one, Jaron. Uh, would you like to go ahead and lead the floor with our first for, uh, fake trade? Yeah, we'll kick it off. We'll kick it off right next door was San Antonio. Um, this, I think, was honestly one of our better cooked up trades. Uh, but this would be sending Tim Hardaway to San Antonio and a 2027 first round pick. And just to sweeten it up, you can or I don't even think you really need to include this uh, 2025 second round pick um, for, of course, Josh Richardson and Yaka Pirtle. Um, I guess what that brings the Mavericks, of course, is a rim protecting sort of big who can also rebound the ball really well. Um, and, you know, we get to be greeted with our good friend Josh Richardson uh, back in Dallas. But, you know, more in line, that's wing depth. And that's a defensive guy that you can sort of rely on off the bench. Um, and sort of what that trade is, you know, Tim Hardaway, he's a valuable piece, of course, right now. Um, or I hate saying that, but he is. Uh, that's sort of your rounding out your holes sort of pick. Um, that's, of course, assuming that you keep Christian Wood. Uh, I think yes. him and Jacoperto would instantly work really extremely well off each other. Um, and, yeah, of course, Josh Richardson off the bench. I mean, he can pseudo ball hand a little bit. Uh, but more so relying on his shooting and defense in that scenario. He has improved marginally as a shooter since he was on the Mavericks last. And, um, you know, giving it, you know, especially on that Mavericks team, he was asked probably to play a little bit beyond his means. And I mean, really just asking him to focus a little more in on his honing in on defense and his three point shooting, I think would really do wonders. I mean, we've seen him probably pretty solid in his stops in San Antonio and Boston these last couple of years. It's, you know, he's not the Miami Josh Richardson anymore, but he can still definitely be a guy that gives a solid contribution. Uh, as Jaron had mentioned, this is one of those moves, rather, that it does fill a lot of the gaps, and it, it adds to the wing defense with the, the Richardson move. Uh, Pirtle, of course, is a very esteemed rim protector, huge dude, you know, helps the rebounding too. I mean, this would patch a lot of holes. So if the Mavericks were to do this one, this would definitely be an instance. This is kind of why we like this one so much. Because uh, it's really not sacrificing a ton besides that pick um, in 2027. And at the same time, you don't have to make maybe two, three trades to necessarily um, add like the proper yeah. depth to this roster. So this is why this was one of our favorites. Some of the other trades that we have involve a lot more moving parts and things of that nature. But uh, in this instance, you know, may, you, you can argue the Mavericks still kind of do have that void at um, in terms of their wing depth there because, you know, you maybe want one more guy or, you know, Richardson is definitely probably more inclined to defend ones and twos than he is, um, you know, a guy that you're just wanting to go ahead and stick on some of these bigger point forwards in the NBA like a Paul George or Kevin Durant, something like that. You know, you're not getting a guy with that sort of size, but it still does patch a lot of gaps and is one of the more all-encompassing trades. I guess I'll go ahead and lead the next one, um, and then you can go ahead and elaborate, Jaron, and we'll kind of just operate with that little trade-off structure. Um, but the next one that we uh, have cooked up here is going to be 
um, involving the Phoenix Suns. Jaron actually crashed, crafted this one, and it would be sending Christian Wood to the Phoenix Suns. So, you know, Chris Paul gets a nice dynamic lob threat that they need that, that roll cut big, especially. And, and I do think that, Jaron, you were probably, you know, I, I don't know if the Suns would do this with Aiton still, or you were operating under the assumption that Aiton would be leaving. Uh, you want to maybe speak to what your thought process was? I, there? Like, really, honestly, I think with, I think that this could work with Aiton in the lineup. I know Aiton's more of a sort of roller, especially whenever Chris Paul's in the lineup, but Christian Wood can still create his own offense. Uh, I think yeah, we still play in the wing that. and, you know, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I think we forget about that a little bit. Um, I mean, of course, they have Cam Johnson, who's like really their main wing defender. But I mean, this adds a little more versatility at the big position. And that's something that they really don't have um, relying so heavily on Aiden. Uh, I think that's really what you do is you expand the big position uh, in Phoenix. And of course, you get off that negative asset in Jay Crowder. Uh, I don't know if you announce who would be sending, but you get off the negative asset of Jay Crowder. Yes, uh, but the full trade as as followed is going to be Christian Wood to the Phoenix Suns. Um, and we do understand that, you know, Christian Wood has technically only been linked to the Los Angeles Clippers amidst these rumors of, you know, after contract extensions with him and the Mavericks are basically in, in progress. Well, not in progress from the standpoint that they're working on a contract, but we don't necessarily know what's going on. They're wouldn't say they're at a stalemate either, though. We just really have no clue what's going on beyond clo closed doors, besides the fact that a contract extension was indeed offered. Um, so Christian Wood to the Phoenix Suns and then to the Mavericks, they would get Bismack Biombo, Jay Crowder, and a 2025 second-round pickback. So the Mavericks then have the versatility to be able to deploy two seconds in another trade, um, which they currently do not have because they only have one second-round pick after the Kyrie Irving trade left on the market. I uh, I do think that this one would have uh, a lot of different benefits. You know, you get a championship vetted guy, a guy I'm pretty sure Jay Crowder at one point or another has played with Kyrie, um, either in his time in Cleveland or yeah, Boston. There may have been – they may have just had the perfect storm in terms of, like, the years that they – yeah, like, or yeah, was he I, in that deal for I think Kyrie? I feel like he played in Boston one year. I think yeah, into the Eastern Conference Finals. They they may have, but uh, nonetheless, guys that you know have kind of been familiarized within that scene. Even if uh, I apologize for my that's malpractice on my part by not knowing that. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, and then you get you know Biombo. He doesn't solve the rim protection problem, but he's a capable guy that comes off the bench and you know can you know, furbish that front a little more. And, you know, the, maybe the Mavericks in this instance, they use that second to go and add some more wing depth or another rim protector. So uh, you, you get two defensive guys. I, I think in this instance, this probably would not, would be one of those scenarios where the Mavericks at least got one more move in them after this. Um, but it definitely, you know, it, it provides some help in the, in the short term. Now, a lot of fans at face value would probably say that this is a, you know, oh, we're not getting anything back for Christian Wood. Like, he, he deserves much more. And, and the real thing at, at play here is that that second-round pick. I mean, maybe we would even want Phoenix to pay two second-round picks back in, in this trade. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, potentially even a first. I, I don't know if Christian Wood commands that value at this juncture. If his value hasn't changed since when the Mavericks got him, then, I mean, I guess probably they, they would I, – I could see them giving him a first. But, you know, I, and there's another Christian Wood trade that's kind of eerily similar to this to the Clippers 
but you know it, it's basically you get back a second or two maybe even a first to be able to have the versatility to get to then go swing another trade we we understand that Bismack Biombo and Jay Crowder don't necessarily equate value wise to Christian Wood but the Mavericks do have options that they could deploy afterwards to really uh, build a competitive roster, you know, adding those guys to the depth. So that's kind of the line of thinking here. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, a lasting thoughts about the trade. I mean, even if like Aiton left, like this could be something I could see the Suns doing if they don't get a big man in return for Aiton and they just need something last minute. So I, I do think that this was a, this is a really one interesting one that you included. And I think the Suns are very like a, a very underrated team to maybe be in the market for a guy like Wood just because of the volatility of what could happen with DeAndre Ayton. So uh, I do like that one a lot from you. Uh, do you want to go ahead and carry the next one? Yeah, um, I know you cooked this one up. I, I actually really like this one. Um, it was to the Utah Jazz. Um, the Mavericks would be getting our boy that we've been going after or that we've been wanting and we've been pining for. Uh, it'd be to the Mavericks, Jared Vanderbilt uh, and Simone I don't know how do you say it? Bonacheo. Um, Bonacheo. And then, of course, Utah would be getting Reggie Bullock and a 2027 first overall pick. Um, for and me, I, 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 like... uh, I got to give a special shout out because um, in, in this. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And also, I, I this one comes with the prerequisite that if the Mavericks were to have got a pick back from one of those other teams that, you know, Utah's asking price for Vanderbilt is said to be two seconds. So maybe the Mavericks could pull this off with just two seconds, which would be idealistic. They keep that first in their back pocket. But um, so th that was like what we kind of wanted to get at. But obviously we can't do that in the trade machine, um, you know, when the Mavericks don't have the seconds at the moment. So um, but special shout out to a user on Twitter. Um, Wistrin is kind of how he pronounces his name, but he actually crafted this fake trade. And I, I stole it from him, but I, I believe um, since I, completely botched the uh pronunciation of that i i believe his his username ad on twitter is w-h-r-i-s-t-i-a-n so he crafted this fake trade um specifically and it, it uh the salaries kind of just barely worked mavericks actually save a little bit of money so um you know they get vanderbilt and they did this if you're doing the rendition of this where it's just the first round pick then in all likelihood, um, the Mavericks probably, you know, this would probably be the last move that they make. But if you're doing, you know, doing the, the seconds version, they can always do something else. So uh, I do really like this trade. Uh, Jaron, talk about Jared Vanderbilt because him and Nas Reed are two guys that as the Mavericks approach this trade deadline, I think that we're like really honing in on and guys that are younger but could also vastly improve over the next the course of the next few years and change the, de the defensive trajectory of this team. Uh, so just kind of talk about the defensive versatility this guy could add to the forefront of this uh, this roster. And even if he doesn't have a shot, like how um, just just vetted and ready he is, especially if he develops that jump shot in the future and how he can still help now. Yeah, he's I mean, he's only a second year pro, I believe. Right. Oh, uh, um, no, I think he's a uh, third or fourth year. Let me check. Third, okay, I, he might be. Yeah, he might be a third year. Uh, anyways, I mean, just the size factor alone. I mean, he's a in he's a very scary defender, I guess, to look at. He's, you know, good length um, and just good versatility. 
Uh, he's good like a strong, like 6'9", 220, you know? Yeah, like he's got good intangibles whenever it comes to the defensive end. Um, like I said, he's a bigger guy. He can kind of guard really like three to five, I would say. Uh, but he has, I mean, he has the ability to step on ones and twos. When yeah, he, he can, he can help. He can be a really good help side defender on those ones and twos. Uh, need be like with a pick and roll or whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, I mean, he just has the ability to really stretch the floor defensively, uh, like space the def- or space the offense out for that matter. And he's really honestly a factor that you have to worry about uh, when competing against. And, you know, him in tangent with, you know, Maxi Kleba, uh, heck, even Josh Green, like that would be, you know, ideal uh, as a backlining uh, if you're looking at it from a like two, three standpoint. Uh, I think the most, like, this would be the most ideal is if we compare him with Reed. Uh, Nas Reed, of course, being the five, and then Jared Vanderbilt handling down the five or four. Uh, I think that'd be the most ideal. But, of course, I think if the Mavericks make this move, this is, like you said, this is the last move. And, yeah, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt. Well, in this in this rendition of the trade. Just yeah, in this, yeah, in this first rendition. Round pick. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I th- like I said, I think uh, Vanderbilt – elevates your defense to another level automatically just by being on the court no 100 and uh surprisingly enough jaron this is actually his sixth season in the nba oh sixth oh and wow you know, and you want to know how old he is all right no no it's not his it's not his six i misread that i was about to say i was, about, I was about, uh, okay no no okay because he he uh he got traded oh because he got traded to denver um and so that i was reading it wrong on, on the wikipedia because he got traded in the 2019-20 season midway through the year from denver to minnesota but this is indeed his uh his fifth season in the league it's his it, fifth season and he's only 23 that, oh, okay damn I yeah know. so he came in really um, yeah 18. i didn't yeah i could have swore this is like his second third year like, no this is his fifth season in the league his first year was a 2018-19 season and he he only played sparingly throughout his first three seasons but really started to catch wind with the Timberwolves and, you know, him and Jaden McDaniels are just kind of eerily similar players, you know, McDaniels, maybe a, a little more brought up to speed offensively, but that's kind of why they, uh, they went different directions with him. And that's why he was shipped in that Bill Baird trade um, after last year. So now, I mean, but this has got been a guy the jazz have been trying to, or, you know, been looking to potentially move off of since that go bear trade. So, I mean, this would be a very idealistic fit. I, I love this one, Jaren. Jared, I mean, just in, so we can kind of, you know, transition easily. Go ahead and just uh, do the other Jared Vanderbilt trade that we have cooked up because we actually have two of them. Yeah, so this one, I think this one from a value perspective is probably more what uh, I guess fans would be looking for. You'd be getting a lot in return, um, and that would be sending Tim Hardaway Jr. and a twenty is a a twenty twenty five first. So that would you know what we talked about with the stepping rule and you know, with the 2023 regards with New York, that would all have to apply, of course. But we would be sending um, Tim Hardaway Jr. and the 2025 first to Utah for Kelly Olenek. And I think I actually messed this one up, though. You could send the 2027 one. I You could, you could. I just don't think that'd be as enticing. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, I believe Utah has been looking to get off of Kelly Olenek or at least actively shopping him. Um, and same with Vanderbilt. And I think that this is, you know, one where you paired Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, Maybe it doesn't really benefit. In the tank. Because both, yeah, I mean, both Olenek and, I mean, Olenek may necessarily not be worth the first, but he's probably worth like two seconds. So you, if you have to deploy your most enticing first, you know, you, you have to. Go ahead, yeah, just, you go ahead and do it. 
Yeah. And you've been a young Jared Vanderbilt. Of course, we just talked about him. And then Kelly Olenek, he's a, I mean, a stretch big. Is that how you would define him? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that that's what he is. I mean, he's a he's a capable defender. I, I He's not terrible at defending out in space. You know, obviously he's, he has his bouts as a rim protector, but uh, he, he gets swept under the rug kind of unfairly as just a bad defender, which is just not the case. I mean, he, he's capable for sure. He's, he's, he's average and at least to maybe slightly above average on a given night. So, I mean, this, this maybe doesn't necessarily, and this would be hard to, to make any trades after this one too, but um, you know, it, you add two very capable guys and you add a lot to the rotation in this one um, and, and the shooting, you know, you also with Vanderbilt's lack of shooting, you know, you kind of get supplemented by Kelly Olenek's like elite three point shooting. So, I mean, yeah. this would be a really, uh, I think this would be a fun one, especially, you know, the Mavericks never have been linked specifically to Olenek this year, but obviously there was the whole miscalculation with the Goran Dragic trade a couple years ago where we thought he was coming this way. So, um, and I mean, they drafted him and then traded him instantly. So, uh, to the Celtics. So, I mean, there, there's a little bit of a history there. They've, they've always kind of been, um, trouting around with the Linux. So, I mean, yeah, I think this would be, this would really, it's one of those ones that I don't like it as much as the Spurs one for sure. Um, in terms of just being one trade that could elevate us into championship contention. But, um, I mean, it's, it's up there. It's, it's definitely a good one. And, and to speak to the last Vanderbilt trade, I, I kind of misworded what I was saying when I was making that I actually had that um, I had that as basically the follow-up to the Christian Wood trade to the Clippers that we have not done yet done yet or you could you know the Christian Wood Suns trade but basically what I was trying to get at with that is the Mavericks would be using two seconds in that instance from one of those previous Christian Wood trades where they got back seconds uh, to be able to make that trade work so you know those those the previous Vanderbilt rendition uh, would be without uh, wouldn't be without a previous trade. It would be the last stop, like we had mentioned, but it, it wouldn't be um, it would be the second or third trade and you know some previous uh, courses of action for the Mavericks. Um, next up, let's go ahead and get to the uh, the whole New York Knicks saga because we just love the New York Knicks and Jalen Brunson and all our friends over there. Um, we have quite the limited history with them you know we don't they're only um they're kind of like the 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 next door neighbor that you know you you like to say hi to every morning but then you basically go inside and wish you spilled your coffee on so um nonetheless let's go ahead and get into it um so in this rendition we have reggie bullock and a 2025 second round pick going to new york and then to the maverick side of things we have Cam Reddish and Emmanuel quickly coming over. Jaron, uh, you made this trade, and I, I kind of want to seek your opinion on this rather than mine. I'll take the next couple, but what was your uh, line of thinking around this one and what this could provide to the Mavericks, and do you think the Knicks would accept it? So I think overall I think there might be a little more that needs to go to the New York side to accept it, just at face value. Uh, but, of course, Cam Reddish and Reggie Bullock have been connected for probably about a month now. Uh, I mean, New York has been pining for Reggie Bullock to be on their team, and that has sort of been their one-up swap has been Cam Reddish for Reggie. Um, that's why I think, you know, just including a second-round pick to kind of entice quickly to be included in that would be, like, ideal. And, you know, that that's really why I think Emmanuel quickly could be included is just if you include that second-round pick. 
Uh, but regardless, I think, you know, again, New York would need a little bit more uh, just to have, I guess, more of a value perspective because they're still trying to win as well. Uh, but with Cam Radish and Reggie Bullock, you get your guy in Reggie, uh, and then you send over quickly for that second round pick, which I think more so he might be worth a first, depending on how you look at him. But that's sort of the, I guess, backdrop behind that trade. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I mean, this one has different uh, ramifications that, that you can kind of get into when you're looking at uh, Quickly's role as the third ball handler on the Mavericks team. Because this was really, I think, one of only two trades where the Mavericks actually get a third ball in or it's going to they can like really step into that role, you know, quickly. He also has a chance to develop a little bit, too. But he's definitely a guy that's kind of like, you know, he's a six man type, even as you know, that's probably where his, the trajectory of his career kind of projects as well. So, I mean, I, I do like this one. And obviously. You know, you mentioned that you think it might take a little more to entice the Knicks, but I, I may push back on that just from the perspective that Cam Reddish is like huge negative value right now. And I mean, if the Knicks are getting a pick, uh, even if they do have to attach quickly, they're getting a pick. So, I mean, you may have to attach one more second, but, you know, you just hope kind of Cam Reddish diverts back to what he was in Atlanta. You know, this intriguing sort of wing who can hit the three and occasionally, you know, uh, when the opportunity presents itself, even playmake at times. Uh, so you would hope that he can kind of get back to that as he develops. And, you know, obviously the Knicks have kind of been pining for Reggie and maybe you can even make some sort of consolidation to uh, renounce the protections on that 2023 pick to be able to trade your 2025 first. I don't know exactly how that works. Like I said, at the top of the pod, but um, for a variety of reasons, I think the Knicks would be a pretty optimal trade partner, but you know, it, it kind of depends on if you're willing to potentially take a hit with Cam Reddish uh, not getting back to what he was in Atlanta. Cause if that's the case, then, you know, you probably are losing this trade at the end of the day. Cause at least Reggie shoots good uh, throughout the year. Cam Reddish says, or Reggie shoots good, you know, once the turn of the new year hits, I mean, Cam Reddish just at this point isn't shooting or really doing anything on the court for that matter uh, effectively um, since the season started. So, um, you know, that it's an interesting trade, but it, it does have its drawbacks. Uh, Jaron, you want to go ahead and uh, mention the next trade that we're going to be getting into? Yeah, so we'll do, I guess, this next New York one. We'll get our friends in New York out of the way. Um, So this one would be a two-for-two swap. Uh, This would be sending Reggie Bullock and Frank Nielakina to the New York Knicks. Frank would be going back home. and Reggie would too. Yeah, and yeah, so this, yeah, exactly. Uh, And then again, Cam Reddish. And this time we would be sending, or Cam Reddish would be coming to Dallas and then this time would be Isaiah Hardenstein coming to Dallas as well um I guess kind of what this does is this you know gives Dallas that sort of rim protecting big who can sort of have a little bit of an offense to stretch the floor um not necessarily a shooter but he has a little bit of a post-up game yeah he's like he doesn't spread the floor but yeah he has a post game um and yeah I mean he's he's a rim protector and that's sort of what this does for Dallas is opens up that possibility uh, and also you get Cam Reddish, who you just talked about at nauseum, just has potential uh, to become that sort of Atlanta mode again. Um, so if that trade were to happen again, I mean, you'd lose Frank Nilakina, that's defense and that's about it. And then with Reggie Bullock, you lose the surefire offense and the surefire 60% shooting from January 1st on up. Uh, and you get in return Cam Reddish and Isaiah Hardenstein. So that that's sort of the the back be, or the knowledge between 
that trade right yes. there. I mean, you, you are losing Reggie's defense to an extent, but we, we only see Reggie's defense in spurts. And admittedly, he's just not been as consistent this year. And that's that's why I think he's just a little more expendable for me this year versus last year. Like last year, I I don't think that – I think I'd be commanding a little more. I don't know if I'd be sending any sort of draft consolidation to the Knicks in this instance if um, if we're talking about last year's Reggie. Um, so that that's an interesting one. Um, but next, uh, we're going to go ahead and – hash these next two out just because they're really simple and there's there's just no other moving parts to them um no no picks going anywhere and they're sort of just one for one trades but we wanted to include them in here because they have been heavily rumored um but first one is going to be davis bertans for duncan robinson straight up jaron you know obviously you're, you're swapping two shooters that have fell off a cliff exponentially because of some egregiously overpaid contracts and their, their percentage is falling off a little bit. What, I mean, if Miami were to agree with, to this for whatever reason, I mean, I, you're just basically hoping one of these guys ends up shooting better at the second half of the season. They're basically the same deal. I think Duncan Robinson's making about nine or 50,000 more than um, Davis Bertans is. What would the Mavericks reasoning to do this one be? Yeah, I think, I mean, we saw what Duncan, Duncan Robinson was able to do when Miami made that like 2020 finals run that they uh like somehow made uh i think that's sort of what you're like sort of captivating is just half of what duncan robinson did back then i don't even believe that he has a role in this miami team um so i guess just giving him a role and just letting him you know do his thing which is essentially just shooting um he's also not as much of a saloon door on defense as davis bertans is we've become very accustomed to seeing davis bertans basically the whole floor becomes a five on four at that point. And I think Duncan Robinson becomes a little more comparable uh, on the defensive side of things. And of course, I mean, that's his one stake or one that's his one state is uh shooting. And that's why he got 17 million a year um, with Miami. So I think that's sort of just the one up swap um, is purely negative for negative asset. Uh, but you're just hoping like what you said is you can just retain something uh, in positive value out of the, out of the swap. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. And if the Mavericks were to do this one, this would not be likely the only move that we would hope that they'd make. Yeah. yeah. If, if it was, <laughs> then that that's, that's pretty pitiful. So, um, I mean, and you know, it, this really wouldn't even be doing much. Just maybe it's just kind of to add some more shooting around Luca and Kyrie and furbish the back, back half of the roster. Next one's kind of interesting because you're kind of, I, I think that this one's maybe a little more applicable. Um, I could actually see that these two moves being used to work together, especially since you might be losing some shooting in this guy. Um, you could use this, uh, that Duncan Robinson move with this one, but you know, obviously the Mavericks have a lot of scoring. Now they have a lot of offensive uh, prowess and firepower. Tim Hardaway Jr. His inclusion to the equation just doesn't fit as much. And, you know, consolidating him for defense and having to expel picks is one thing, but, you know, if you if you really want to go get the third ball handler and, you know, go that route and, you know, if, if you feel like you can find defense elsewhere with some of the other movable contracts and picks, this one's been kind of rumored uh, for Cleveland just because they kind of got a logjam at guard up there with Garland, Lavert, Rubio, and Donovan Mitchell, and they maybe just want a little more shooting and, and pop in their lineup, a guy who doesn't necessarily have to play make and can kind of just stand in the corner and shoot. I mean, yes, Tim Hardaway Jr. can he'll drive to the rim and, you know, shoot the occasional pull up mid range jump shot, but you know, he, he can play within a role a little bit, 
a little bit more without needing the ball in his hands, even though sometimes he kind of goes against that agenda when we would hope he, that he doesn't. Um, but obviously this one's been heavily rumored for months. Um, and that's the uh, Karis LeVert for Tim Hardaway Jr. swap. What are the Mavericks getting in Karis LeVert, Jaron? Yeah, they're getting, I mean, really the third ball handler sort of role. Uh, having Karis LeVert off the bench, I think would be huge. He's, I think he is coming off the bench in Cleveland. Uh, but yeah. that's just more of a suiting role for him coming off the bench. He, he brings a level of defense that really not any of the guards in Dallas can bring. And I mean, that's saying a lot. He's not the most. Yeah, he's definitely not the most stout defender, but yeah, but he's better than the other ones. Yeah, he's better than the both both the other two, probably. Well, I, I might push back and say I think Kyrie's, Kyrie's, Kyrie's actually. We'll see. I would say Kyrie's better, but definitely an upgrade over Dinwiddie, and um, you know, n- not Luca when he's trying, but Luca when he's not trying for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Karis Levert, he's a guy we saw earlier in the season go off for forty points, and then the very next game go off for zero. I think that's something we've become very accustomed to for who we're going to swap for him if that trade were to be of value. But uh, that's sort of the thought process is getting that third ball handler who can bring a little bit of defense um, and, yeah, hopefully some scoring off the bench. And, yeah, like I said, that third ball handling Just the, the manner in which he would be helping out. Like, he's he's going to be playmaking more than Tim. And yeah, he can actually facilitate a entry pass and a lob pass. So and run a pick and roll and things of that nature. And I mean, that at, at that point, if you had Karis LeVert to this Mavericks rotation, um, the Mavericks have, I mean, do they really have any sort of bouts in terms of their shot creation at that point? Um, I mean, I, I think they're pretty, they're pretty much chilling. Um, even in games that if Karis LeVert has to miss, you know, you can throw Hardy a bone. And the reason that you'd be doing this, cause you don't think Hardy's you know capable to step up, you know, obviously, even though he had an insanely good game last night, he's still, we still probably in agreement that he is not necessarily ready to, you know, step into that six man role quite yet, but, um, you know, this would help him help kind of bring him up to speed a little more slowly, but you also are sacrificing some minutes there with him. So, uh, so keep that in mind. Um, Jared, what is the, the next trade that we have on our horizon? Uh, shall we entice you pick which two shall we entice in the Minnesota one or shall we entice in the Clippers one? So let's, uh, let's go ahead and do the, the Clippers one. All right. So we got two for this. Um, actually I want you to do the first one. Cause you, you did cook up this one. Yes. Uh, okay. So, um, the, the first Clippers trade is going to be, um, Robert Covington and Amir coffee in two seconds for Christian Wood. And did I include somebody else in there? Theo Pinson. Yeah, Theo Pinson. But I I think he, he, the salaries work to where you don't necessarily have to do that. And the Mavericks, if is so long, I will preface because February 9th, Chris Silva's 10-day expires. So if they if the Mavericks wish to do any sort of two-for-one trade, they can um withhold making the trade official till February 9th when Chris Silva's 10-day expires and then They'll then at that point have another open roster spot to take back another uh, another another guy. So um, you know if, if they don't end up doing any sort of two for one trades and they kind of just do these equal swaps from here on out, then you know that obviously will not be a withstanding issue. But if they do wish to do that, they have the flexibility to do that. So the way that they matched up his ten day and everything works out pretty well. Um, so yeah, with that being said, um, I do think that this trade for the Mavericks obviously is you know, it adds a little bit of wing depth. You know, you, you get a veteran in Roko. He's not what he once was. 
you know, you take a flyer and Amir Coffey who's kind of, he's had his ups and downs as a wing. I mean, admittedly, I'm, I'm not the biggest Amir Coffey connoisseur, but he obviously, you know, he's, he kind of projects as this sort of three and D wing. He's, he's a quicker guy, you know, he's, he's got good size and he runs in transition. Well, um, from the, and he's easy. He, he does have the ability to attack off a close at occasionally. He, he did do a little bit of damage to the Mavericks. Um, I think two years ago in that, that uh, Clippers playoff series, not the bubble one, but the year after in 2021. So um, you're, you're average, you're, but he's kind of just kind of been a misfit amidst the log jam at, at wing for the Clippers. So, you know, you're adding two wings, not necessarily, you know, guys that are going to start, but they're good consolidatory pieces to bring off the bench and they, they would help the rotation a lot. But the, the mainstay and the reason you'd be doing this is because you get those two seconds back. And uh, getting those two seconds back, as I kind of alluded to or earlier, that then you know helps you harness the ability to maybe swing for a Nas Reed or a, a Jared Vanderbilt. Now that the Mavericks would actually have a little bit of draft capital, not just one second in their arsenal, and you know maybe also uh, expels the possibility of you having to you know empty the tank and use a first round pick. You know if you want to hold on to those for the draft and things of that nature. Obviously, it's it's more preferable to do that. So if you can trade seconds by getting them back, um, you'd probably rather do that than trade first. And I mean, you can still, in a scenario like this, you're, the Mavericks are still be making another trade or two. So I, I do like the flexibility it, it provides. And I mean, regarding Christian Wood, I would, like I kind of mentioned, like this is if the Mavericks just aren't able to come to terms on a contract and the, the, the um, market for him is just a little bit, um, dry out there. You know, if the Mavericks can get back a first for him, I'd much rather them do that if they can. But um, as of right now, the Clippers are the only team to technically explore in, explore interest in him. Yeah. So we'll kind of have to see how this pans out. But at face value, um, this this obviously has its drawbacks from the Mavericks kind of losing in terms of the dollar value. But it does uh, it, it could add some flexibility if they want to make a move right after this or or kind of make it into a three teamer or something. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think that's more of the sort of value play in which you're getting some value back. Uh, that's not necessarily on the court, but you can use to trade for other assets. So the second one with the Clippers is more of a on-court sort of swap where both these players are going to produce to their respective teams on the court. Um, and this would be Marcus Morris for Christian Wood straight up. Uh, and salaries match, I think it's only like half a mil off um but yeah like I said salaries match and this one would just be more of an on-court thing between the Mavericks they get a defensive wing or not not even defensive but they get a wing who can score uh in numerous different ways uh, of course you know you're pairing up the Morris twins we'll see you know I mean you know regarding Luka, in the league's gonna want to mess with you at this point yeah exactly yeah and regarding Luca, it might be a little awkward so we'll see if that ever did come into fruition how that would pan out but um yeah pretty much the straight up swap for Marcus Morris and Christian Wood. Yes, you lose, of course, that depth, uh, or not even depth, but unless, yes, you lose that center sort of figure, but you get in return a bigger wing who, yeah, I mean, as we mentioned with Marquise Morris, like he's a, he's an intim- intimidating guy. He's not a guy you want to mess with. And I mean, Marcus is basically the exact same player as him. He's just a better score, maybe better score and less stout defensively. Yeah, like that's that's the only difference. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's sort of the value in terms of now trade that the Mavericks could make with the Clippers. But I do like yours because 
you can use those seconds to yeah sort of send off a trade yeah um, no but i mean yours isn't too bad either because in this rendition the mavericks don't give up any picks so i mean this this would still definitely be like one of those that we talked about that they're going to make another move and I, I think at this point you know you have this sort of weird conglomerate of wings even if some of them aren't necessarily the best defenders but you're supplementing that with so much scoring that it kind of may be redundant so i think at this point maybe the mavericks try to swing for a rim protector and go for nas reed after this yeah uh, a guy like that which yeah. is a good tie-in so yeah. uh, jaron go ahead and uh, tell everybody about the package for nas reed yeah so this would be sending reggie reggie bullock to the minnesota timberwolves for torian prince and nas reed i believe there was a first included in this so am i not wrong I think it was the was it the twenty twenty seven. Oh yes, the the twenty twenty seven first. Yeah, so this would be Reggie Bullock in the twenty twenty seven first, sent off to Minnesota for Nas Reed and Torian Prince, and that's more so a salary filler with Torian Prince, uh, but even still, Torian Prince is I think a pretty comparable NBA player, um, a guy that you're not losing too much value in, um, and then of course your main three and D player. I mean, you're getting yeah, good he, wing depth there. Is. Yeah, he is. Uh, but your main stake in that trade, of course, is getting Nasrid, uh, and automatically that boosts your team into, I think, another level. I'm really high on Nasrid, as y'all can tell. But um, that I think I think it's pretty good value. I mean, Reggie Bullock, he's a shooter. That team needs some sort of change uh, regarding a win now player, and Reggie Bullock's a win now player. And then, of course, they also get a first round uh, pick in return for Nasrid. Um, and I think that's just sort of the, I guess, change in that or not change. That's just sort of, I guess, the thought process behind that. You get a win now player for a win now player and then including a first round pick because Torian Prince, I don't believe he's really in their system that much. I don't believe he's really. He's never done like eight a game, but he's definitely the last guy in the, uh, in, in the wing conglomerate that is like Kyle Anderson and yeah. Daniels, he's, he's definitely like the last option there. So, um, and I mean, from the Timberwolves perspective, they do this because, you know, you ask, Oh, why are they even offering up a guy like Nasri? Well, it's because, I mean, first of all, they have cat and Rudy Gobert as this thing that they're basically committed to. They've, they've stranglehold themselves with that. They're, it's not like they have a ton of optionality to move on with that. And it's not like they're doing it at the deadline. If they move on from that, it's going to be like a, maybe one or two seasons from now at the earliest. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the same time, uh, talks in terms of contract extensions with Nas Reader at a stalemate. And it, it definitely seems like they might lose him for nothing. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why he's on the trade block at the moment. Uh, Jaron, you obviously have kind of liked this guy since he's been all the way back at LSU. He's obviously really took a step this year. You know, it, he's kind of was just a, you know, especially defensively this year, he's took a step. Yeah. Um, but just kind of for those who don't know, what what is his game like and uh, what type of player would the Mavericks be getting here? Yeah, so coming in the league, he was more of an offensive, talented guy. Uh, he can he, He's a stretch five in the sense that he can shoot the three. Uh, he's not going to wow you in any of the moves that he does or anything, but he can. Uh, but he's like sneaky athletic. Like, yeah, I was about to say, I was like, he yeah. can get to the hole just based off athleticism and yeah. first step alone. Yeah, he, he can beat guys off the dribble as a big, yeah. which is really interesting. And that's yeah, it's interesting, especially for his size. Um, and defensively, he's really elevated his defensive game, uh, especially this season. He's not becoming an, a shot blocker, but he's becoming a comparable defender who can step up on the pick and rolls, who you can rely upon uh, to like sort of deflect the passing lanes. 
He's a he's a longer guy uh, with a longer wingspan, and that's sort of what you rely on. And he's become, like I said, you know, not an elite shot blocker by any means, but he's a guy that you you can feel comfortable sticking one on one with a guard uh, in case of a switch or anything like that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I mean, he could he still has room to grow too. Like this, exactly. The, the best way I could, would uh, kind of describe him is like a more athletic Maxi, probably right now. Um, maybe not the as good as a weak side shot blocker, but he's not just that. That's not something that is just completely out of his arsenal. I mean, it's definitely not as good as his ability to defend in space, but he he still has the ability to, you know, help you know defend on that side. It's just a matter of the fact that he is six nine, so he doesn't necessarily have the the standing reach to be able to get up there sometimes. But I mean, you're you're looking at a guy that really can. Um, hone in on both sides of the ball and especially you know you could pair him with Christian Wood at the Mavericks wish to keep him or you could um, you know obviously shoot if Christian Wood's gone out the door then you can use Nas Reed as a a vessel of your future front court so this is a I really like this one and uh, we obviously talked a lot about um, just you know maybe potentially making two moves uh, one of the more idealistic scenarios, in my opinion, would be if the Mavericks could somehow, you know, there are, if they play their cards right, it's it's not necessarily easy, but they could find a way to get Jared Vanderbilt and Nas Reed. Uh, I think that immediately places them above, like, you know, that that immediately puts them in contention uh, pretty easily, like, you know, and just in terms of the talent on that roster, it'd be top three in the NBA. I mean, you know, even getting one of those guys definitely elevates them a significant margin. Uh, do, we, do we even have any more fake trades? Uh, I mean, we have a handful more. Uh, I guess like the more enticing ones. If we want to leave the the Raptors ones, I'm okay with that. If we want to leave those ones out. No, I do. Uh, I, I don't want to. We don't need to go too heavily in depth into them, but I would. Like okay, because I was like, I I do want to get not in depth, but I do want to speak on the uh, the Detroit ones. But if we just want to run over these Toronto ones real quick, uh, we'll start with the smaller one of the two. Uh, this would basically be the same player swap. This would be Tim Hardaway Jr and a first-round pick sent to the Raptors for Gary Trent Jr. Uh, essentially, I don't even know if you'd have to send a first-round pick. Uh, you could probably get away with a second, maybe two. Um, but essentially, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. would be the negative asset in that. Meanwhile, Gary Trent would be the very positive asset. Um, but Toronto's in a weird sort of state uh, where they don't know what they they don't know what they want to do with the roster, and Gary Trent Jr. is a guy who has been linked to a lot of trades um and i mean the mavericks uh not need for shooting uh but he's definitely a guy that could space the floor a little more and be more consistent than to, uh be more consistent than tim hardaway especially yeah he, he may not be ha- i don't think gary Trent jr necessarily has the the pop that tim does in terms of like he's probably not going to have as many of those like 32 point games or whatever yeah. tim just can't miss but he'll he'll be He's gonna give you more consistent sixteen consistency, points, yeah. and that's and on top of that, he's he's younger than Tim. He's not about to hit the thirty wall. I think he's only like twenty four, and uh, he's definitely you know he he's not some sort of elite defender, but he he's definitely more competent than Tim on that end. I mean he he at least can defend in space a little bit and doesn't lose his man um, basically the second that um, they try to run any sort of switch scram action so um yeah i mean that's the reason you make that trade you just basically get a a boosted tim that's younger basically 
Yeah. Um, moving on to the second one with Toronto, this would be the dream come true trade. This would be the instant bump into the finals contention. Yeah. Trade. <laughs> this would be sending. This is a very like we we think that this is a very slim margin that this would happen. Yeah, that, I don't think the one to put it on here though. Yeah, this this wouldn't happen, but um, sending to Toronto would be Javale McGee, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jaden Hardy, uh, a 27 and 25 first round pick, and then of course coming back is the big boy OG Ananobi, uh, Kim Birch, and DJ Wilson. Those are sort of just salary fillers at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty self explanatory. OG Ananobi, defensive three and D wing, probably the best in the game. Uh, at this point and well i mean i'm not the best in the game if we're like if we're he considering can be that, the best in the game yeah yeah well i was gonna say if we're like if you label Kawhi leonard as a three and d wing but oh, in terms definitely. of like in terms of defensive wings that can play make and you know he started as a three and d wing and now he's really opened up the arsenal of his his game he's still really young i mean this guy could be a future all-star yeah without a doubt yeah uh, but yeah i mean that's a big package there's a lot of moving figures in that and that's sort of the thought process behind that is just I mean, you're gonna have to give a big, big figure for him, and that was sort of a big our big package that we had to cook up. Yeah, the, the Mavericks are the Mavericks better win the championship at this point because yeah, at that point they, they, they have <laughs> nothing left to. I mean, at least with some of these other packages, even if the Mavericks do expel their picks, these are still like fairly valuable guys that you can move if need be in the offseason and get stuff stuff in return. Um, in this instance, uh, it would be really hard to deconstruct this team if once you commit to that exactly yeah no that's that's very true um so moving on with these two this is more of like the probably more realistic options of the two uh and these are actually our final two so uh this would be with the detroit pistons um i guess we'll start out with the lesser of the two so detroit would be getting in return davis bertans and two second round draft picks uh, for Alec Burks and Nolan's Noel. And again, you know, that's sort of the scoring wing that the Mavericks get in Alec Burks. He's a guy who's uber offensively talented. And then, of course, Nolan's Noel, a shot blocker, which we've been talking about ad nauseum for, what, three years now? Um, ever since he was on our team and he was yeah, ever since, yeah, ever since he was on our team, and that was five years ago. And we're still talking about it. Um, hopefully he's not eating hot dogs on the sideline at this point. But um, that's sort of... Yeah, that I think that's more an ideal trade. Alec Burks again. I mean, he's a he's a honestly, I didn't even realize how good he was offensively. I honestly forgot, but he's averaging 13 and a half points this year. Yeah. Uh, Especially and, if the so was this the version in which they traded Tim? No, so this is uh the Tim one would be next. Yeah, so they they could also, you know, this would this would make a lot more sense if the Mavericks traded Tim in another trade as well. Um, you know, kind of replacing that scoring output with Alec Burks. Yeah. As far as Nerlens goes, you know, he has not played a lot at all. They've been throwing him behind Jalen Duran and things of that nature. But, uh, Jaron, why do you think, you know, for those that may not understand why Nerlens really isn't playing with that Detroit squad, why could he still be a valuable rim protector for the Mavericks? Yeah, I mean, again, he's not a guy that is fits the mold of the Pistons, I guess, fits the timeline, and that's sort of why he's sitting on the bench. Uh, but – a rim protector has been key need for like five years now. Like we said, uh, Nerlens Noel brings a perfect level of off the bench sort of rim protecting that you need. I don't know if you, he, he, I mean, theoretically he could start, uh, but you I don't pair him with he, Christian. What if you need to? And, and yeah. Like he, yeah. he's, he's very versatile, especially 
with who we could pair him with. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, he, he he has a tendency to get beasted on the boards. He's definitely slimmer still, um, and he does not have the ability to stretch the floor. But he, he's he's pretty excellent. He in the short role, he has like solid touch. We saw that even in his time here. You know, he obviously never materialized into the guy that we all thought and dreamed he could have been. But uh, he can still be a solid, valuable uh, rim protector as a veteran uh, that can definitely mentor um, some of the. I was gonna say he can mentor some of the Mavericks bigs. Yeah, I was, gonna say, I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe he can mentor Chris Silva if he stays if he stays around. Stays around. It's getting late, guys. I apologize. It's uh, me and me and Jaron are emptying the tank just as the Mavericks need to at the trade deadline for you guys to know. Yeah, of course. All right, so I guess we'll round out this last one. So this one probably more of what everyone else wants to hear. So this would be a 2027 first. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dwight Powell headed to Detroit for Bogdanovich and Noel. And again, I mean, Bogdanovich, pretty self-explanatory. You get a sort of creative, um, not wing, but a guy who can hold his own defensively and, you know, on offense can create his own shot. Uh, that would essentially be four playmakers at that point on the floor that you could put on or that you could put on the floor at one point. Uh, and then again, you know, you get Nerlens Noel, shot blocker. Uh, who would you bring off the bench at that point? Um, but yeah, you're sending out Tim Hardaway and you're sending out Dwight Powell, so that opens up a little more room for Nerlens Noel to have a bigger role. No, he maybe he might start. I don't know. Did yeah, I mean, at that point, he might start, yeah. uh, depending on Maxi's health. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're sending out Tim Hardaway, Dwight Powell, um, and then of course that 2027 first, which would be sort of more enticing for the Pistons. I think this is sort of a trade that we would sort of cook up. December-ish uh, and you know possibly could work I think Bogdanovich has sort of elevated his I guess value a lot more but it but depends. At the same time, I don't think Nerlens is carrying a lot of value right no, now and yeah mm-hmm. that's that's the same point is Nerlens not like he's, he really isn't um, and you have an expiring contract in Powell and then of course a declining contract in Tim Hardaway uh, so I think that's sort of like the thought process behind there yeah. for Detroit and I mean, of course, you get that 2027 first. And I think any first at this rate is valuable, especially for a team that I think could be very talented next year, uh, especially granted that they might get Wimbenyama. So I think any first that that team can get is possibly in trade route uh, for next season if they're trying to make a playoff push. Yeah, because they can always trade future first for if they want to get to that number one pick. But yeah, exactly. I mean, nonetheless, yeah, like, you know, we didn't even really talk about as much in this con. Uh, in this podcast, but just the, the structure of contracts and expirings and, you know, declining contracts and um, how many years are left. Like these are all integral parts of course. And, and a lot of these trades that, um, you know, we kind of looked at beforehand for sure, but, you know, we didn't really have the time to explain on the podcast. So definitely take that into account as well as Jaren had alluded to. And I mean, just with a lot of these trades, like, you know, the Mavericks do, one or even in most instances maybe besides that Duncan Robinson trade um but the Mavericks do like multiple of these I mean you're looking at a pretty esteemed title contender and this is why we want to do this podcast so we could preview what they may be able to do obviously got delayed because of the Kyrie thing so we weren't (laughs) including that we had previously can wanted to you know obviously include that but there's still really a lot of intriguing routes the Mavericks can do to improve defensively because you know initially we had the reason that this these options weren't really on the table initially is because you know the Mavericks didn't necessarily have the the backing of uh two superstars to yeah 
basically to just go for it like this. I think that there was a lot more hesitancy to expel first round picks. You know, you, you would cook up something on Fanspo and include a first rounder going to Utah for Jared Vanderbilt. And it definitely with a lot of fans, I'm sure. And even me at times would be met with some, some cringeworthy um, expressions just from the standpoint. They're like, Oh, like uh, we really want to give that up. But I mean, who cares at this point? I mean, if you guys are still hesitant to expel the tank after this whole Kyrie thing dropped then I mean, you know, we would probably need to have a discussion on the side as to why that is, because uh, there's just no no reason as to why the Mavericks, in my opinion, should should be waiting unless you really think that it's just a certainty that Kyrie signed just with all the things that he's done in the past. It's just an absolute certainty. Everything is a seamless transition. He signs no matter what. And we're using these first 28 games as a test to decide if we want to bring him back or not. But I'll have you guys know right now that we do not have most of the leverage in this situation. We are we are pretty strangleholded. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, it. And do you have anything else, Jaren? Uh, I mean, I think we hashed it all out in these last yeah. like five hours of podcasting. So. Yeah, I know. We we uh, we got all the trades out. And I hope you guys can come to um, come to see what we were kind of going for in some of these trades. If you guys have any any of your own subject suggestions, and you're listening on YouTube, make sure you send them at us. Like what you would do in a trade. Because uh, we're definitely want we want to hear a lot more trades as we in the next forty eight hours are going to be hectic. So we want to see exactly what all goes down. That's why we want to get this out as fast as we could. But uh, if you haven't already, make sure you're following us at Twitter on mainstream underscore Mavs. Make sure you are if you haven't if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you give us a five star rating and subscribe. And if you are listening on YouTube, make sure you like and comment down below what I uh, literally just asked regarding the trades. That being said, we appreciate you guys for listening this far in the podcast, and we will catch you guys in the next one. Rodrigo will be back to cover the Jazz game for you guys. Bye-bye.